Notice this. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, I'm just going to read one verse, verse 13, when he says this. When he says, for this cause also, thank, uh, thank we God. So he and his apostolic team there who even went to establish that church, he's saying, he, you know, there's this transition right here in those first few words of the 13th verse. And he's, he's saying, listen, I want to make this clear. For this reason I'm about to say to you, I'm about to give you a reason. I kind of touched on it last week. If, if, if you'll discover this, and I, sh- I should have spent more time on this even last week, but let me just drop, drop it into your spirit again real quick. Like, thanks, giving, thankfulness, being thankful always has a purpose. There's always a purpose connected. Remember you saying that last week, and I, but I didn't really expand upon it much. But being thankful living a life of thank, thankfulness and, and, and a lifestyle of thanksgiving, it, it has a purpose. It has a purpose. You know, first and foremost, of course, is to give the praise and glory and honor to God, right? Also to remind you of what he's done. And also its purpose is this, it's threefold purpose. I, and I meant to bring it all out last week. So those, there's two of the threefold. That last fold of the threefold is this. It, 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 it releases faith in your spirit to open doors up to receive an answer. God will never answer someone who's, uh, never answer a prayer, someone who's unthankful. Jesus has issue with people who are unthankful. Can I digress just another moment to substantiate what I just said? See, I, I, I can give scripture everything I say. Just most of the time I don't because of time. I'm going to repeat this. Jesus has issues with people, with Christians who are not thankful. He, has, he, he takes major issue with them. Now, I can't extrapolate this fully, but here's bottom line. Case in point. Do you remember, remember the account of the ten lepers? Tell me what happened. See, it stuck with you, didn't it? If you learned it when you were a child in Sunday school, it stuck with you, right? Only one of them came back to thank him. This is the only time in his earthly ministry, wherever it's recorded, where Christ looked at the negative, if you will, side of things in order to bring about a very sterling principle. And was this, when he asked the question, where are the nine? You know why he asked the question, don't you? Because he knew that they weren't even thankful. You know, how much time are you going to give me today? Do, do you, know, you, know, you know, every, every offering in the Old Testament, I know you know this, and I've taught on it. You probably heard other people teach on it. Just not as good as me. But anyway, making sure you're still awake there. But anyway, Lord, you know my heart was joking. You know that. But anyway, not arrogant. But anyway, uh, well, maybe not fully. But anyway. No. Anyway, every offering in the Old Testament under, under the Levitical priesthood order, when every offering you brought in, it symbolized something, remember? And of course, Christ fulfilled every single one of those offerings, right? From, from uh, the pigeons to, by all means, the Passover lamb and everything in between, right? Every, every offering, small or large, he fulfilled all of them, correct? In what he pro- didn't provide. The thing about every offering that was brought to the Lord under the Levitical order of priesthood in the Old Testament. What was always connected with that, they had to give it, of course, they're, they're, I mean, there's clear-cut, stringent qualifications. You know, like one thing, you know, God says this, don't ever bring, don't ever bring me a vain oblation. And as a matter of fact, 
centuries later, century, many centuries later, uh, he prophesied that through Isaiah himself, even Jeremiah and even Ezekiel. They said a little bit differently, but bottom line, God was saying, don't you bring me something that you're going to throw away anyway. Don't you bring me something that has no value to you. Don't bring me something. That's why David, when he even had the opportunity, he said, still, when Aranu offered him, said, you know what? I'll offer all of this for my flock, the best of it. David said, I will not give anything to the Lord, that which cost me nothing. If it doesn't cost you anything, you didn't give anything. If something didn't cost you to give, it didn't cost you anything then. That's why, anyway, back to this. I'll say more focus about the thank, thankful issue. Is that every offering was giving, not only there again, it, it, you don't give God your second best and all that kind of stuff. He just made it real stringent. Bam, bam, bam. Line it out in Exodus, reiterates it all throughout the Old Testament. Because see, when God gave his very best to us and for us, the reason why it's called the law of sowing and reaping. The law of reciprocity. It's a universal principle. It works for anyone's life. You can be a flat-out atheist, flat-out agnostic, human secularist. You can, you can be caught up. Anyone can be caught up in all kinds of sexual perversion even. But the law, the universal principle of sowing and reaping will still work in everyone's life. Be it good or bad, it'll still work. And so, so, it is with, so it is with giving especially. And then one of the things is, back to this, let me say focus. Every offering also had to be given with That was your cue. Okay, now I set you up. Now we all know the answer. It wasn't a trick answer. I'm going to try this again. Every offering had to be given with thanksgiving. And it's like a prerequisite because it was reminding the people of God that if it weren't for you, Lord, I would not had the wherewithal, the financial uh, acumen or just life. I wouldn't have anything to be able to offer up to you if it weren't for you in my life. So I am so thankful that you have blessed me and given me a life better than I can even imagine. So every offering had to be given with thanksgiving, just bottom line, right? And if that was the Old Testament, and now we find in the book of Hebrews, we're now under a better covenant based upon better promises. How much more when the people of God, because, you know, there, there's a reason why it's called a sacrifice of praise, because sometimes we don't feel like it. we're going to get more of this later. Sometimes we don't feel like it. But bottom line is you got to ask yourself the question, was God good to me this past week? Was God with me this past week? You can ask it this way. Did God leave me or forsake me this past week? That alone ought to cause you to come into his gates with. But back to this. So Paul, you know, he preached all this to the Thessalonians also. Notice what he said. Here's this reason. So his thanks is connected with a purpose. Here's this cause that I'm thanking God without ceasing. Remember last week we looked to set it up about Philippians. Every, every time I call you to remembrance, every memory I have, every time I do some mental time travel, every time I go back in time, because remember he wrote to the church of Philippi, he was in prison. Hadn't seen some of them in years. Things weren't well for him. And he said, every time I think of you, it's always good. 
So he's saying this in just a little different way to the church of Thessalonica. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because, here's why. When you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually or effectively worketh also in you that believe. Now, this is what Paul initially is saying to the church, the Christian of Thessalonica. And this, I'm expressing this before we focus on today's message, is what I, what I, I, I just couldn't let it go. It's like, no, nah, I'll share that later. It's like, no, I got to put this addendum on from last week. This is one of the many reasons why I so love and appreciate you guys. Your hunger for the word. Your hunger for the word of God. You do realize this, don't you, that many Christians, and God bless them, at least they're, at least they're Christians. That's great. We need, we need all on the team we can get. Many of them, I won't say most, many of them in this nation, specifically in this nation, one of the last reasons they'll go to a church is because of the ministry of the word. They go for a variety of other reasons. Ask them sometime. If you don't know this, if you don't know this, you ain't going to make it. It's one of the reasons why Peter prophesied about it and you're going to see it. So don't get, don't get bent out of shape when it really begins to happen in the years and decades to come. There's going to be a massive falling away. It's going to be a massive falling away. And the reason why is because, I mean, Jesus teaches on it. If you don't, if you don't know the word, if you don't stand on the word, if you're not built upon the word of God... You ain't going to withstand anyway. He summarized it by saying, listen, the storm came, the wind blew, they beat upon that house and it destroyed it. But those who were built upon the rock, symbolizing Christ, symbolizing the word, the storm came, the winds blew and the house stood the test of the storm and the winds of life. I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we're going with the word. We're going with the word. Trends are going to come and go. I've seen them since I was a teenager when I really started observing trends in churches. Trends are going to come and go in churches. But this is the only thing that will abide and remain forever. This is the only thing. This is the litmus test of life right here. So anyway, Paul said, and I'm so thankful for you guys because you enjoy the word of God. You love the word of God. When, when you hear it, you receive it, not as just mere idle words and not, well, man, I, I, I think I'll just pick and choose. That's a, that's a strong fad in Christianity today. I think I'll just pick and choose what I like and what I don't like. You must, you must be reading out of the Thomas Jefferson Bible then. You know that's what he did, right? And the guy was brilliant in, in many regards, and uh, I'm glad for his, his input in some aspects of our nation. I'm going to tell you something. That guy had some issues, and one of them was this. Because, because he being a, 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 a deist, he said, you know what? I don't, I don't believe everything in that. As a matter of fact, there's some, there's some negative stuff we don't want to even talk about. So he had someone take only the good scriptures. <laughs> 
compile them, and it's called the Thomas Jefferson Bible. For what it's worth, if you start reading that, we need to talk. But anyway, so there again, I just had to conclude by saying that. That's one of the reasons why I love you guys so much is that you love the word. You stand on the word. It's so easy to preach and teach to you guys. You know, when I go long and when I digress and I take us on rabbit trails, but they always end up many times more annoying than what I plan on saying anyway, because I want the Holy Spirit to lead always and guide me. I always, I always surrender to him before I, before I minister, surrender to him. It's your mind, Lord. It's, it's your tongue. Just use me to bless your people, however you choose to do so. So, you know, and, and over the years, and we've had a lot of, a lot of well-known speakers, almost like household names, the body of Christ, right? They've come and preached here. And some may be a little lesser known, but still as great, if not a greater anointing, to be totally honest. Anyway, every time they would preach, they'd say, man, it is so easy to minister here. Well, you know why, don't you? And some of them even said this, who, who, who would come back. It, the, here, it, it, there's two reasons why. First and foremost, it's going to sound arrogant, but it's not. It's just, it's just truth. Is that first and foremost, you get the word every week. You don't get my opinion. You don't, you don't get uh, psychology today excerpts. You, you, you don't get that junk that so many Christians get in this nation anymore, especially European Christians. But anyway, you get the unfiltered, unadulterated, uncompromised word of God. And I do to my utmost ability. I always do my best, but it's not always my best. You caught that, right? I always do my best, but it's not always the, my best. But anyway, but I always coming out, try to always give it my best. And, and, and many times I'll exegete words, and sometimes I talk way too fast. I just keep going because I have so much that memory. I just, I'll say it and keep going and move on. But bottom line, every single week we're breaking the word of God down. So another reason why when, when people who are sensitive to the spirit, especially those who pastor at any time, they come in and they sense it. That's the reason why is because the people got are well fed. But also now I'm bragging on you. I wasn't bragging about myself. That's just how it is. But anyway, it's because the people of God love the word of God. They want to hear the word of God. Extrapolate the word of God expound upon certain words. Pastor, I like it when you give the historical background in the word of God. I like it when you break down the Hebrew and the Greek language and give us a full definitive understanding of that given word in the proper context. I like it. And so because you have that heart and that desire, it's so easy to minister here. I said all that to say, I love you guys more than you'll ever know. Did you get all that? And I think you guys are some of the greatest Christians in the entire world. And this one's for you. OK, this one's for you. But anyway, because, I, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I don't like to even go and preach other places anymore. It ain't like this. Might as well preach to that wall. And nothing, no disrespect whatsoever to that given house. God bless them and I would try to bless them. But it's like, is there anybody in there? <laughs> Got to take a line from Pink Floyd. You know, it's like anyone here, you know, is be because you can tell that that they're not sponges like you guys in that regard. To be that spiritual sponge, there's no higher honor for a man or woman of God to minister to people who just, who just soak the word of God up. Now, that was from last week. This week, go with me over to 1 Chronicles. Now I'm going to have to speed, some, speed a few things up. 1 Chronicles 
chapter 16. Verse 16, chapter 16, verse 1. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent, the tabernacle of David. He had pitched for it. They offered burnt sacrifice, peace offerings before God. And when David had made an end of offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And he dealt to everyone of Israel, both man and woman, to everyone a loaf of bread, a good piece of flesh, so a steak, and a flagon of wine. And even, and, and also actually even gave him some raisins too, the, uh, to extrapolate that other things that he gave. But anyway, uh, so David, he's, he's blessing the people. He said, man, this, this is the greatest thing that has happened to Israel again. Because they knew without God, they couldn't do anything. And there again, the Ark of the Covenant represented that. It represented God's dwelling place. So, okay, we're going to rejoice. We're going to have a nice big party. We got, we got some uh, bone-in ribeyes, a little more flavor there, medium rare. We got some great um, sourdough bread because now the gluten has been cooked out. So you can eat that, which that is the truth for what it's worth. I won't charge anything extra later for that. But anyway, so it's got to be true sourdough with a true culture that hasn't been. Anyway, so but anyway, so I had a great time there. Everyone's enjoying. Notice this, verse four. And he appointed, he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to Help me out here. I, I, I can't see this right now. There's a lot of glare. He, he appointed those of the tribe of Levi to do what? Thank. To thank and praise the Lord. Focusing, of course, thanking God, praising the Lord God of Israel. And then it lists, basically, yes, they were the tribe of Levi, and specifically from Asaph and that lineage, uh, which... Uh, are, we're also psalmists, but th this was the worship team. This is the worship team. So David appointed them. Here's what I want us to do because we haven't been doing this in centuries and centuries and centuries. We need some praise and worship going on here with all of it connected to being thankful. With all of it, some way or another, you should be able to connect any kind of lyrical content here Connect those dots and realize that we're thanking God. It's not about me. And it's not about woe is me and all of this. You know, some of the stuff that comes down the pike, it's like, guys, really, who's writing this stuff? Do you even know what the word says? It's like, really, man, defeated and weak and, or, or, or so self-centered. No, 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 no. We ain't worshiping you. Now, you might have won a Grammy. And that's good. And I hope you thank your grandmammy for helping you when you were a baby even. <laughs> Took you to church. That's wonderful and all of that. But bottom line is this. We ain't worshiping you. We got too much self-centeredness and me-centeredness and not enough Christ-centeredness in the body of Christ anymore. And especially a lot of songs that come out. It's like, nah, my wife, you know, we'll, we'll listen to some new stuff. I go, nope, next. Nah, next. I'll listen to then like one verse and they'll go into a car. Nah, next. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, God bless them. You know, I know it took that little effort to, to get that together and all. But it's like, no, 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 no. Here's the bottom line. Every praise, every worship, every song, every note that struck, it needs to be struck and given to the glory and honor of God. And it should come from the platform of one spirit and soul of being thankful for who God is. So David said, this is what we're going to do. 
You see the, you see the people's names. Now notice this, verse 7. Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord in the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Did you just catch what he did? He wrote, which is Psalms 105, he wrote Christian contemporary music. And he said, this is how it should sound. This is the lyric content that it should possess and purvey. This is the depth. This is the height. This is the scope of which it should have. It should be rooted and grounded in the word of God. And it should glorify, magnify God. And anytime you want to allude to yourself, it should be making sure, we need to make sure that it's all in common reference and knowledge that if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I would have been already devoured by now. So we're giving all glory, all honor to God. No weakness here. Ain't a bunch of victims here. We ain't wallowing in our past. We are talking about the past that we were in, that God brought us out of, that God kept us alive and brought us to this wonderful, magical moment. So David said, here, here's a song. Yes, it's copyrighted. Here it is. Let's sing this, Asaph. So they strike the band, bam, and they begin to sing it. And actually, there again, it's recorded in Psalm 105 in an entirety. Here we have the overall glimpse of it. And he starts out, this is how the song starts. Give thanks. I don't know about you, but that's a good way to start. Covered this a few weeks ago. That's how everyone's prayer life should start every single day. Your time of prayer, first and foremost, don't ask for anything. Now, I know you have things that you need. Am I the only one here? We all do, right? We all do. But before you ask for yourself, before you ask for anyone else, can I help you with that too? Always first and foremost, put yourself last. So when you do get to that time of petitioning and asking the Lord for things, put other people first. Pray for them first. Your family members, friends, those who need prayer, those who, you know, you understand they're going through this. Whatever. Pray for them first. And then pray for yourself. You put others first. For, that's why you, know, you start out first and foremost giving thanks, glorifying God and all of that. That's why seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all those other things to be added to you, correct? So anyway, when you're coming to God, first and foremost, just begin to thank him. So David's writing one of the most powerful psalms that he ever wrote, and he starts by saying, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Make known his deeds among the people, meaning his great works and, and the marvelous acts that God has done. Let's just look at a few things here, right? Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. So, we're, so when, you, when you thank God, you can do it in so many different ways. You can do it when you're praying. You can do it, you, of course, verbally. You can do it in your mind. But you can do it while you're singing. You know, we were singing that earlier. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Man, that, that, is, that is such a beautiful song to me. You know one of the reasons why there's so much anointing on that song? Take a while, guess why? Well, because worship did a good job. Yes, but above that, why, why, is that song, why does that song always carry so much anointing? We're, pri we're, we're singing the word. We're primarily singing the word of God. Back to my point earlier. That's why some might thought, man, you're a little harsh on you know, some of the lyrics that come out. No, I'm not harsh. I'm a purist. I'm a realist also. 
is that the more pure we're singing from the word, the more reality comes into our life that we're able to overcome. So anyway, that's why, you know, bless the Lord on my soul. Oh, my, you know, that that song is filled. It's replete with scriptural phrases, many of them from the book of Psalms. So David begins to say, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon us, and make known his deeds among the people. Real quick, like, let's look at this word just for a moment. You've heard of this before, I'm sure. Bears repeating. The word thank there, in this case, from the Hebrew word, yadah, which means to revere or worship with extended hands. You know, a lot of people who come into a church like this and other churches like this that, that are more expressive in their praise and worship, most of people lifting hands up, and it, it may be foreign to them. They think, why? What's this about? You know, and see, that's what's sad is that you got a lot of Christians throughout this nation. They don't even realize that is how you should worship. I mean, this is just bare minimum. I was pastor saying, I got to lift my hands from now on. I think he's condemning me because I don't normally lift my hands. I ain't saying none of that. You said that. Well, I said that. You might have said that. But anyway, <laughs> it's simple as this. A thankful heart, when you are praising and worshiping the Lord, it's just easy to do that. It's an expression of thanksgiving. You probably heard people teach that. It was real popular 25, between 20 and 25 years ago. The seven Hebrew and Greek words for praise and worship. Right. And, and the different postures of them and 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 how, and how they are uh, uh, extended toward God. And, and of course, how they're manifested and all. And and anyway, it's beautiful and powerful and everything you know, to know all that. But uh, when when God is saying here in his word that when you thank him, how that word is defined in the Hebrew language, in the Old Testament is that because you revere and worship him. It's easy to extend your hands. It was a sign of thanksgiving. When you see the phrase, King James Version, this is the verbatim phrase, the hand of the Lord was extended toward them. And then the greater scope of it is this. Every time the Lord, now hear me out on this. Every time the Lord blesses you, you know what he's doing? Yes, he's fulfilling the promise that he said, if you'll do this and you, know, you, you exercise faith and I'll, I'll fulfill it. I'll, absolutely, all of that, all of that, all that. We, we need 18 weeks just to cover that minor point that I just threw in there, but which is a major thing. Uh, this is what God is doing. Yes, he's blessing you, yes. In conjunction, you know what he's doing? He's thanking you for serving him. Remember, you know, when the word of God says that God will be indebted to no man. Now, see, if we're not careful, we only apply that to the financial spectrum. And yes, it applies to that. But it's across the board. Meaning, you can't outthink God. Why is it? Why is it that when Jesus said that when you stand before him, on that day, this is what we want to hear. Well done. What's he doing? He's expressing.
Somebody might want to try to dissect that and semanticize that. Well, I don't think he's actually saying that. Well, that's one of the things that he is communicating. He, that's his way of thanking you for being faithful. Well done, thou good and He's thanking you for being faithful. Every time he blesses you, he's thanking you for being faithful. When you tithe, when you tithe and sow an offering and you walk under that open heaven, that the windows of heaven are open to you because he's thanking you because you're doing what he's asked you to do. God is the most gratuitous entity in all of heaven, all of earth. Meaning he is a gracious and kind God, very gratuitous. You know, just one, one act that we do, God blesses us exceeding abundantly above all of that. So God is always, always displaying his thankfulness to us. You know, Jesus, some of his last prayers, he thanked God for his disciples. You know, he doesn't have to do that. He's God. I know, but it, 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 it shows the heart of God. God's thankful for you. That's either settling real deep or it's going over everyone's head. And some would say, well, I, I, don't, I don't look at God like that. Well, you need to. Because God needs a human agent. He needs a human vessel. And when we are truly those vessels of honor and glory, he reciprocates that. Yes, we primarily categorize it under blessings and favor. Yes, but it's his way of saying, thank you. Thank you for representing me. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for persevering. Thank you for standing on my word. Because all of that, it's an act of gratuity. It's an extension of his gratuitous nature. And there again, that falls under the category of thanking someone. Oh, my, 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 my. I'm enjoying this so much. I'm about to, I'm about to lose my mind here. But anyway, I should think. Meaning my mind is to go outside of where I, that's what, when Paul said, whether I'm in my mind or out. Anyways, you, anyway, I got to keep going now. Now that I left everyone in a quagmire, let's look at this. It also means to praise. It means to give thanks, acknowledge, declare the merits of someone. So when someone is praising, worshiping God, hands uplifted, that is an expression of thanksgiving. It's an expression of thanksgiving. And I know sometimes I've been there too. You come in on a Sunday and you had a week from hell. I mean, you're going through hell and high water. Things not working out. And you're wondering when, when, when. God, I need this breakthrough, you know, because it wasn't only this week. It's been like this for seven years, you know, and you're struggling with things and it's not your own doing. It's just, you know, so many other external issues going on that you're dealing with. What the God that we just had one battle. But you know, we had 87 fronts we're dealing with. You know, anyone ever been there? Might be there right now. And I know if we're not careful, we come in and, we, and we're still preoccupied with that. We're still preoccupied with that. You guys love me, don't you? I'm speaking clearly of observation. Jesus did that a lot, okay? So I'm in good company here. So what, what, what time we got? Oh, uh, Wow. Which typically, I, um, when I get here, because I previously send in my notes, you know, because it takes Kim at least four hours to type in all my notes. And uh, 
so that we can see the, here's my text and here's a couple of scriptures. But anyway, uh, so I always go up, you know, ask her, hey, first, how, how was your week? How you doing? And uh, so and then I say, everything clear? You able to read my writing? You know, so yeah, yeah. And I say, yeah, yeah, that's the order. That's probably, yeah, it looks good. So anyway, we did that and I'm, I'm holding uh, Mr. Wonderful, a.k.a. Carson, a.k.a. my grandson. But anyway,